Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. When we want or need something from God, what is our attitude? Do we come to him meekly, in a begging way? Or do we come demanding that he give us this or that? Well, probably your prayers are more in the pleading or begging vein rather than ordering God to do something. But you might be surprised to realize that there actually are times when the Lord will respond if we speak to him in a direct way, bidding him to grant our need. It all depends on what we're asking for. Stay tuned for a wonderfully insightful program on today's Life Study from Numbers. Bob Danker has joined us for fellowship today. Bob, welcome back. It's good to be back, Chris, and you're right. This is a very insightful uh, program today, a very wonderful portion from the book of Numbers with lessons that we all need to learn. Bob, it's kind of part two of uh, the program we had in the same story in Numbers chapter 20. I think maybe we'll begin. I'll go ahead and read the story. It's uh, pretty easy to follow here in chapter 20, and then our listeners will have a a bit of background you can kind of fill in. In chapter 20, I'm going to start at verse 2. And there was no water for the assembly, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had expired when our brothers expired before Jehovah. Why then have you brought the congregation of Jehovah into this wilderness for us, and our livestock to die there? Then Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather the assembly, you and Aaron your brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes, so that it yields its water. Thus you shall bring forth water for them out of the rock, and give the assembly and their livestock a drink. And Moses took the rod from before Jehovah, as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels. Shall we bring forth water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his rod twice, and abundant water came forth, and the assembly and their livestock drank. And Jehovah said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to sanctify me in the sight of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Bob, this is a really interesting story, but it's full of all manner of spiritual nuances that we want to explore a little more in detail. But this kind of harkens back to an earlier situation in Exodus chapter 17 regarding the rock, doesn't it? It does, Chris. There in that chapter, the people again were in need of water, and they complained to Moses and to God. And God told Moses to take his rod and to strike the rock that was there before them, and water would come out. In that case, Moses needed to strike the rock, 
But in this case, God did not tell Moses to strike the rock. He told him to speak to the rock, and the water would flow out. Well, the water here, of course, is a symbol of the Spirit, who in the New Testament we can see the Spirit is the living water given by God to his people to quench their inner thirst, to supply them with the riches of God. Then the rock, of course, is Christ. Yes. And uh, the rod of Moses represents the authority of the law. So Christ, the rock, was crucified on the cross under the authority of God's law. He died for sinners. Then out of him, according to John chapter 19, flowed blood and water. So the living water flowed out of Christ as he was there on the cross to supply God's people and to quench their thirst. This is a marvelous picture here in Numbers. I think that uh, we want to draw our listeners' attention to the differences in these two accounts, the one in Exodus 17 and then this later account that we're seeing today. And as you pointed out, the rock was already smitten the first time, and therefore no need to strike the rock again. Is that correct, Bob? That's right, Chris. Christ should be crucified only once. After Christ is crucified and resurrected, he doesn't need to die again. We simply need to apply what we see here in Numbers 20, we need to speak to him, and then the water will flow and we will be supplied. Uh, also, I think to help uh, in the understanding of this uh, story and its, in its full spiritual significance, we need to realize the backdrop is that there had been a lot of turmoil with the children of Israel just prior to this, uh, a lot of their complaining and grumbling, and uh, Moses in his indignation in those instances, his feeling somewhat matched Jehovah's because their uh, complaining was due more to their desire for uh, not necessities, but uh, more luxuries. And uh, God did not have a lot of toleration for that kind of grumbling. But now here they're complaining because they're thirsty. And as we'll see in this first portion, that makes a uh, much difference to Jehovah, and it should to us as well. To serve God really means to handle God's people. You just be right with God, that is not sufficient. You have to be right in your attitude toward God and toward God's people. And your attitude toward God's people should be according to God's nature. Moses, you have to consider the children of Israel in this way. You have to consider they were in need. They did need the water. They were in a kind of a necessity. So God is fair. So you should not be mad with them. Now they are not contending for lusting. They are contending for their need. You have to consider God's nature. You should not care for your kind of a feeling. According to your kind of feeling, you got offended. You got mad. But according to God's nature, no problem. God is fair. God is bountiful. God's loving, so surely God would not be mad with his people as you are. Here, I say again, you have a long journey to go. And to go this journey, you have to know God's nature. Especially to know God's nature concerning his people. Your kind of serving could last long or not. It depends upon your attitude toward his people. And your attitude toward his people must be according to his holy nature. You have to know his nature. And his nature is fair. His nature is bountiful. 
His nature is rich in supply, loving, gracious, merciful. Based upon all this effect, when you see something of his people which seems to you not so right, but you have to consider the situation according to God's nature, then you'll be right. Otherwise, be sure you will be wrong. You will not sanctify him. Bob, when we consider again the backdrop here, uh, it does seem like Moses was not altogether unreasonable in having some anger. The people had rebelled against him. They'd rebelled against the Lord. They complained about everything. It didn't matter uh, what miracle God had performed to supply them. They seemed to always be grumbling. And now this just appears to be another case of their grumbling. And Moses reacts with some anger toward the people, and it cost Moses greatly. It kept him from even entering the good land. What is the lesson here that uh, we just heard Witness Lee trying to point out to us? Well, here, Chris, Moses is a, a servant of God. He's a representative of God in dealing with God's people. So in his relationship and his attitude toward God's people, Moses should be the same as God. He should not uh, give ground or give way or expression to his own personal feelings. We have to deal with or have a relationship with the people of God not according to our preferences, our likes and our dislikes and our own feelings, but according to God's holy nature. You know, God is holy in his nature. This means he is absolutely different from the false gods, and he's absolutely different from all human beings. He has his nature, and as his servants, we have to sanctify him by representing him rightly before his people. In this case, God was not angry with the people of Israel because their complaining about not having enough water was legitimate. They had a need for water, whereas in the past when they complained that they were missing all the good things they enjoyed in Egypt, God was not happy with that. That was not their need, but rather was their lust. In this case, it was a legitimate need, and God in his nature is fair, he is loving, he is merciful, He is bountiful. He is kind. So Moses had no reason to be angry with the people, but his anger came out of his own personal feeling. And when he expressed that anger and called the people rebels, then God was not happy with him because, in God's words, Moses did not sanctify God in the eyes of the people. So that means Moses made God common. He lowered God down to be to appear to be like the false gods and like a angry man like Moses was, right? But God is not like that. He has his holy nature, and we need to represent him by being one with him in his nature. This is an invaluable lesson for all who uh, are in a position to be serving the Lord by serving God's people. Uh, our need before him, this is a, should be a sobering word, I think, to all of us, Bob, that our need when we are taking care of God's people in any capacity is to really be rid uh, of our feeling and do all we can to find the Lord's feeling towards his people. Absolutely right, Chris. Okay, actually, uh, where we want to go now, this rock with the water flowing out also appears later in the Scripture in the New Testament in a wonderful passage. There'll be a quick reference to it in this next section. I'm talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, which says, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a spiritual rock which followed them, 
and the rock was Christ. Bob, this rock is available to us in the church age, isn't it? Absolutely. It's so available to us. Let's go back to Witness Lee. God has his economy, and his economy includes all his actions. And all the actions of God's economy are mostly somewhat related to Christ and his body, the church. Now, if we would act and do things according to God's economy, we always have to do things with much consideration concerning Christ and the church. Now, we are among the church. The situation is not that present because full of contending, complaining. What is the reason? The reason is that the people of God are short of the living water, which is the spirit of life. Now, in the church, much contending, short of the spirit of life, what shall we do? We shall only do what? To say something to Christ, who is the rock that follows the church all the time. We should say something to him. You may say that is kind of prayer, but I like to say rather that is kind of outer we give to Christ. Do you know today, after Christ has accomplished all the things related to God's economy, after these, Christ is here within us and in heavens waiting to meet our supply. You don't need to beg him. And you don't need to pray to him with fasting. You just come to tell him. To tell him is to speak to him. And to speak to him is to give him some order. Do you believe you can order Christ? Do you believe or not? You have to believe. He's happy. He's happy. Little baby say, Mom, Mom, I like water. Mom, give me a cup of water. The mother would be happy. Do you think? The living water is ready here. You don't need to beg him. You don't need to wait on him. You just come to him and tell him, Lord, I need your spirit. Lord, give me your spirit. Do you know the Lord to such extent? That's a charming uh, account, Bob, you know. Uh, when the Lord told Moses here in uh, Numbers 20, he didn't tell him to plead with the rock, to beg with the rock. He told him, speak to the rock so that the water will flow. Uh, probably if we tried uh, to demand or order God to give us uh, a new car or a new house, we might run into some stiff resistance. But when it comes to the living water, which God knows is our necessity, he's altogether happy for us to speak and let the water flow. That's right, Chris. And this is based on the fact that earlier in Exodus 17, Moses had already struck the rock yes. with the rod. This means that Christ has already been crucified and the Spirit has already been released from him to flow out to us to be our living water to quench our thirst. Therefore, we don't need to beg God to give us the Spirit. We don't need to pray and fast for three days and three nights and then the Spirit will come. No, the Spirit has already been given by God because Christ has been crucified. Out of him, out of his pierced side, 
blood and water flowed. That means the Spirit has already flowed out. In fact, Christ today is the life-giving Spirit for us to drink, to enjoy as our rich supply. Now, we don't need to beg any longer. In fact, if we beg God for the living water or for the Spirit, this is an indication that we don't believe that Christ has accomplished everything in God's economy. But if we will speak to the Lord and say, Lord, praise you. You have died. You have been smitten, and the Spirit has flowed out. Lord, now I tell you I want the Spirit. I'm thirsty. Give me the Spirit. Oh, if we speak like this to the Lord, he will be so happy with us, and he will surely supply us everything that we need. This is really Mm. to exercise faith in the accomplished and finished work of Christ. Yeah, that I think is the key point. The reason why it pleases God, because it demonstrates we are believing him in the effectiveness of his uh, crucifixion and resurrection and ascension and being poured out as the life-giving spirit. That's right, Chris. And, And also, when we speak to the Lord in this way, we also honor him in his nature because he is loving. He is bountiful. He is so willing to supply us with the Spirit because he knows that's exactly what we need. Bob, this next passage, our final section today, is one of those illustrations I think of uh, a rare quality in this ministry, and that is to find uh, something that is so meaningful in just an obscure or easy-to-miss portion of the Scripture here. All right, we've made the point now again and again that Moses had already used the rod in Exodus 17 to strike the rock, and uh, therefore... Here, God did not demand him or command him to do so again. But verse 7 and 8 say, Then Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod and speak to the rock. Uh, So though Moses wasn't to strike the rock, it was important that he have the rod in his hand when he was speaking to the rock. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In chapter 20 of Numbers, this rock signifying a crucified Christ. Not only so, but also a resurrected Christ. He is a ready Christ. He's crucified. He has been crucified. He has resurrected. He, now he's ready. Ready to do what? Just to give you everything. To give you whatever you need. You need manna. He's the manna. You need living water. He's the living water. Right away. You tell him. It is not we that are waiting on Christ. But it is he that's ready to give us everything. He's waiting for you to ask, to tell him. But when you do this, you must have the rod in your hand. This means what? You must apply the death on you. You must apply the death of Christ. You must know that you are here a crucified person. He was crucified, and you should be also identified to his death to his crucifixion. He was crucified, and you were there too. You must apply the death of Christ to yourself, otherwise the supply would not come. You don't need to beg him, to beg him to be crucified again. You say, Lord, give me the spirit. I apply your death to me, and now you have to give me your spirit. This is all together according to God's economy. But, I say sorry, 
that today many Christians, not for you, do know God's nature and God's economy to such an extent. Our eyes should be open to see something concerning God's nature, which is very much related to our kind of attitude toward God's people. And also, we could see the way to get the supply of life, that is, the living spirit, is to apply his death upon us. Then we will receive this supply. I hope that we all could see this. Oh, Bob, this is another wonderful portion. You know, many times we may uh, try to practice that kind of faith, speak uh, to the Lord in such a way, and uh, we don't experience much. And it may have to do with whether or not we have the rod in our hand, right? That's right, Chris. This is a marvelous picture here. God told Moses to have the rod in his hand. And what this means is that we need to apply the death of Christ to ourselves. All the problems that we have as believers and among ourselves as the church are a lacking of two things. The first thing we lack is the spirit as the living water. Whenever we're short of the living water, we have many problems. The second main problem is that we are lacking in the application of Christ's death to our personal situation, to ourselves. So here we can see our need is fully met before the Lord when we will take the rod in our hand when we will identify ourselves with the crucified Christ, the Christ who was smitten on the cross. When Christ died, he not only died for us, but he died with us. That means we died with him. And we always need to keep ourselves in the reality of our crucifixion with Christ. If we do this, then we have the position, then we have the ground to claim from God, the life supply of the all-inclusive, life-giving Spirit. So these two things must always go together. The cross to deal with our self, our natural life, our flesh, and the Spirit who is released through the cross will spontaneously be our enjoyment, our portion, our supply. If we just will speak to the rock, we speak to the Lord, we will receive the Spirit. Hmm. It reminds me of, uh, of course, one of the all-time best-known hymns, I would imagine. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin, the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. John 19, which you mentioned earlier in the program, the blood and water come together, don't they? They do. When we apply the blood, this means that we apply everything that Christ accomplished on the cross including our co-crucifixion with him. Then we can drink the water, the living water, the Spirit. Oh, Bob, our time has uh, run out too quickly today. This is a program I would love to have more time to just sit and fellowship about. There's a lot of light, much enjoyment, and some real help, I think, for all of our listeners as well as ourselves in experiencing Christ as the flowing water. That's right, Chris. We can apply this right at this very moment and experience it. Thank you for your fellowship, Bob. You're invited back whenever you're able to be with us. It's a great pleasure. Okay, let me leave you with our toll-free number. Invite you to contact us. We love to hear from our listeners. It means a great deal to us. Uh, It really gives us the feedback that we need to know that we're reaching you and that uh, these portions are opening up to you as they are to us uh, each day when we sit in the studio. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. 
888-543-3788. And of course, we'd love to tell you about the printed life study messages to uh, help you in your own study and uh, getting into the Word in such a rich way on all of these portions from the book of Numbers. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And email, you can send it to radio at lsm.org. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.